Thank you so much for listening in to the Kathy Lee Parker Show. I'm sitting here with attorney Jamie McMillan. He's out of uh, Colorado, Durango, Colorado. He has an office there. And we're going to be talking about investments and banking. Welcome, Jamie, to my show. Thank you, Kathleen. How are you? Nice to see you. Thanks yes. Okay, okay. Long time, no chat. And um, I've known yeah. you for a couple of years and came across you on LinkedIn, and I'm very glad I did. And uh, tell me what's happening out there. Well, first of all, introduce sure. yourself to my audience. You know, where are you from? Where's your office? You have 25 years yeah. under your belt. Sure. So we're, I'm sure some people have been to Durango before. So we have an office here. Mm-hmm. We have an office in Denver as well as in uh, in California. Oh. And, yeah, you know, I own the company. So we were, I guess we could kind of consider an independent advisory firm for individual, I don't like to use the word retail, but everyday investors. Mm-hmm. And I've had this company open now for about 12 years after uh, working with Charles Schwab uh, brokerage firm as a private client money manager. Uh, I guess it's yeah, going back to about oh, 1993. So um, what a great company to you know to leave from. And Charles Schwab, uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners have seen him before on television and whatnot. He's a great entrepreneur, great mentor, and a good place to uh, be in the business of giving advice to, to clients. So um, I love what I do. And this is kind of thing that you know, I enjoy, you know, talking about the markets and stocks. But it's really about people and trying to get ahead and doing the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's kind of part of the American dream, right? Investing is part of that story. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Um, tell me something that we before you came on my show, we were talking about something that just hit the news. Yes. Yeah, I, you know. The, the big social media companies, of course, um, in the trillion dollars of market cap, these are companies, of course, like Amazon, Facebook. So the government came out today, the antitrust department, Department of Justice, and all 29, let's see, 29 attorney generals across these states have filed antitrust action against particularly Facebook. And it was interesting because they had let deals come through before that was little as uh, – you know, $10 million. Mm-hmm. But now in their complaint, they're looking more and saying, in effect, that you are a monopoly. Uh, they have a quote from Mark Zuckerberg said, why compete? We could just buy them. Mm-hmm. So this sort of monopolistic practices um, weren't very enforced, I guess, for the last decade. And we've seen massive changes in values, obviously. And I'm not against a good entrepreneurial company, I believe in capitalism. Mark Zuckerberg is certainly a success story. But it does call into question when he bought WhatsApp and Instagram and other those kind of social media companies, particularly as younger generations use those apps more than Facebook. And so the government is very concerned, and it seems to be that it's an issue really that kind of rests in both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't seen that kind of action in antitrust probably since we go back to the oil companies, right? Standard Oil, the right. railroads, and it really, I think, Kathy, it comes to become, you know, who is controlling the information, what kind of data we're giving up, and what price we're paying for that. Obviously, it's a minority of the shareholders, but I question, from a society standpoint, um, is it necessarily is there a better model to allow other businesses to flourish um, where, where Facebook can't dominate, so to speak? Interesting. Interesting. So where do you see this heading? Well, you know, well, these cases typically are slow, right? They're clunky. They're legal cases. So I I do see um, that they've already made testimony on the Hill, right, in front of these subcommittees. But I really think what's going to happen is they're going to be more scrutinized in terms of what they particularly want to buy and what space or lane they're in, whether it's customer acquisitions and some sort of new app. Mm-hmm. Um, and there may be some standards there. Um, monopolies are really hard to prove by the government. Um, there's a lot of ways you can get around that, particularly if you're a diversified company, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Facebook's really claim is going to be. But I think investors are going to stay with these companies. They're not going to go away. I think the Twitters, the Facebook. But it's interesting they pull in Apple as well, which is kind of more regarded as sort of the 
you know, the defender of free speech, right, and the mm-hmm. ecosystem being expanded. But I honestly think this will take not, you know, not months, but years. And what la- happened last time, there was a big fine of something like $5 billion, but the penalty is nothing compared to what Facebook makes, you know, in a month. So usually this will be some sort of fines. Usually there'll be some sort of legislation. And frankly, that's what needs to happen. That needs to happen in Congress, not under the Federal Trade Commission. Okay. Because that's an agency of the executive, and that's going to be a little bit of a political, you know, bent to it. So we'll see how it plays out. But I would tell people, don't, you know, don't panic. Don't sell those stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of being in business. You have to dance with the government. And right now, Facebook's under the radar. Wow. They've been under radar before, like in 2019, yeah. for another issue. And it's like, dang, here we go again. So, yeah, hopefully everything it's will come. It's a balancing come. act, too. Yeah, sure. Because a lot of people have certainly, you know, have these companies in their retirement plans, right? In the right. mutual funds. So right. we have to recognize that they've rewarded, uh, you know, business people and, and a way to get to your advertising, you know, without using cable networks. That was sort of none I've ever heard of. And so it is a success story, but it's a balance, I think, that has to be struck between, you know, the politics and the business model. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Dang. So uh, I, I noticed that you work with um, banks and, in, um, and you do investment and banks. Is it better to go with a bank than it is with a private um, investor? You know, you call them um, the golden person that everybody seems to look for. In terms of, uh, you know, like for, an, for a best, yeah, for investment for a business, like, for example, um, I need to raise money for my previous business. And should I go with a bank or should I go with a private investor? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and the timing is good, too, because we all I mean, that's traditionally where Americans went right to expand their business. Um get sort of capital to the next step for any company, especially so many entrepreneurs. I mean, of what I think over 90% of American businesses are small businesses of less than 20 people. Um, if you look at the numbers, so capital access to capital was sort of a control to the banking giants. As we know, the JP Morgan's of the world, the Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, and I can't really discount them when you get to be a larger company. You know, they do have the ability to come to the public markets and raise capital through bonds and stocks. But yeah, for the everyday person, what's really striking is the new financial system, so to speak. I mean, you can look at the PayPal's, you look at the Stripes, the Squares, the people that beyond Visa, Mastercard, that they swipe those transactions. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about those, really, if you think about them, they're becoming banks themselves because. They're having residual income come in every month, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, yeah, squares, you know, having you swipe your card for a coffee. Mm-hmm. And there's another model like Shopify where people set up their e-commerce business online. And so what do these people have, what these companies have, they have consistent cash flow, the float, if you will, coming in through their system in the billions. And now they're becoming lenders of first resort. And they're incredibly competitive. And you think about it, the way they're originating these loans are, are really interesting because they already have the track record from the business, and they're already getting to see the merchant transactions. So the banks have sort of seeded most of that. You think about really what the bank profits are. They're more in mortgage lending. They're more in small customer accounts. But I do see there's a continuation of these sort of you know, tech financials um, that will be you know, processing transactions and doing more lending. One of the master big ones is China's, you know, Alibaba is setting up for their Ant Financial, and that's their transaction banking app. So, you know, this is going to continue mm-hmm. uh, in the major countries, the major economies. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. I think it gets the consumer closer, and it's a more efficient transaction. And a business, all they have to do is start showing sales. Mm-hmm. And then you can take that to the merchants in terms of the space and the cost of capital somewhere between 5 and 7%. It's very reasonable, mm-hmm. and um, it's a great way to raise money. So I think technology has pulled that forward a lot faster than anyone expected, particularly because of COVID. So merchants now are operating in a digital environment. And I give you a quick example. You know, we own Chipotle Mexican Grill, which started in Denver. 
that company had, I don't know, probably 20% of their sales were digital. And now they rolled over to be about, you know, 40% of their sales, up to 50% of their sales are digital. So they're becoming leaner, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying that because those are the kind of businesses that end up working with Square, you know, and Financial, uh, Shopify, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be really good for the consumers as well as these kinds of stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's interesting to know that. But I want to know about the banking. Like, for example, if I have a, a corporation, I need $5 million for my company um, mm-hmm. Is it wise for me to go directly to the bank? Like if I hired you on and I say to mm-hmm. you, Jamie, should I go with the bank or should I go with this private investor over here? He's saying he wants to invest in my company, but then he wants to own 20 to 30% or even more, I've heard. where people, They just right. come in and they just demand to own your business and then... <laughs> You end up doing all the dirty work. I mean, I, I don't mean to say dirty work, but you end up doing yeah, all yeah. that work for your own mm-hmm. business, but you only, you know, they own everything. They're they're running your business. Mm-hmm. Which is better to go? Should I go with a bank? Is a bank better? Yeah. So I don't have that issue over my head. Yeah, I was trying to find, a, you know, an analogy for like, do you take your car to the Toyota, you know, dealer? Uh-huh. The, you know, expensive parts and everything? Or do you go to a repair a person that's really close, has a great reputation. You know, the good thing about this is, and people don't remember, but under the Jobs and Reconciliation Act of when Obama was president, that was a way that also included a piece about the Internet and about companies that were starting out, trying to raise money, just like you talked about. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's as simple as 100000 maybe it's as more as $5 million. Right, right. Right. And so what the law was, is a great start, but there was so little traction from it. People didn't understand it. They didn't know how to get to it. And so there's been some refinements that, you know, that come in since then. Mm-hmm. And I think it's making it better. And two things I will tell you real quickly is it can be a product as simple as, you know, a, a different door knocker up to a very complex tech, you know, solution for somebody looking to expand their business and I think really in the new sort of economy where people have to move swiftly, this new thing in terms of what's called crowdfunding is a really interesting way to look at it because I talk about the democratization of capital, and this is part of it. And if you look across America, if there's also a gateway to get to crowdfunding. What crowdfunding really is, let's, let's talk about that. It's just people having a product or business that want to raise capital, but now they're talking about getting in front of what, 350 million Americans, or on a global basis where they can have a social media presence and actually raise the money online. Uh, mm. you know, everybody knows about GoFundMe, mm-hmm. but crowdfunding is very specific because it has requirements on how much you can raise and limits. And right now, the limits have moved from like two to three million up to five million. Mm-hmm. And the thing to remember, there's only about 40 you know, companies right there out there that are approved by the Security Exchange Commission to be gateways to operate as a crowdfunding source. Mm-hmm. So you can't just sort of Google your way to find these guys, uh, these outfits, if you will. But I will say this has been a record year in 2020 for crowdfunding companies. And again, those people that are serious about that, you know, there is a way to get to those. And if they have a proven business model, it's a great way to raise capital. Mm-hmm. You're I'm, never going to really get that far that quickly, as you probably just said, Kathy, right. into the bank system to get that kind of money that quickly. Wow. I'm working with you on a project that we're really excited about that. It's so sweet. The young man's only 25 years old. <laughs> He's got all these older people it's working remarkable. for him. <laughs> I just like yeah. everybody's over, what, 45 to just in between 45 and 60 and they were helping him get his business off the ground but he's so sharp i mean he's there at the meetings he's right on target he's he's and i thought dang for 25 year old you know he's really sharp but we're working on that project and i'm glad i ran into you on linkedin i think linkedin is like the best business you know avenue out there 
you know, are you finding yourself? I mean, I think we all right are more time on LinkedIn than ever. I know. I used to be on Twitter. I did Twitter mm-hmm. a lot, but I still Twitter. You know, I still check things out, but I just do it faster and quicker on LinkedIn, and and people take me seriously. You know, I'm not sitting there playing around and <laughs> wondering if they're going to take me seriously. But they're yeah. it's it's amazing, and I. Okay. I was impressed with that, but back to the banking. No, you're spot on. Microsoft was was certainly brilliant to buy LinkedIn. So, mm-hmm. you know, who wants yeah? Who wants all these crazy new feed news feeds sometimes, right? On social topics mm-hmm. um, coming through, and you're trying to really create a business relationship. So, right, um, and you meet yeah, a lot LinkedIn of CE- just... you meet a lot of CEOs and CFOs mm-hmm. and bankers and p- attorneys mm-hmm. like you and you know a few others that out there and for everybody out there i know jamie for uh men what 10 years five years now yeah five well, good five years, years. Yeah. yeah and you were running for public office state senate are you gonna you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna re- relive that for me right now <laughs> <laughs> well you did great and i met you as i was in durango for another business and uh what well, we had kenny yeah. lee country music nashville and Jerry, the you know CEO of uh, Forecast um, TV, and then we had you there, and you were running for public office, and he was helping you with campaigning, and 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 then I ran into you after all this time on LinkedIn because I was going to put on Empowerment Innovation Business Network a seminar. And mm-hmm. of course, the government shut me down because of COVA. <laughs> right. But uh, but it's gearing back up for August, so we'll be back. But anyway, but make the long story short, that's how I ran into you because you were interested in coming out. So, but I fascinated. I knew you were an attorney. I didn't know what, what type of attorney at the time. I don't remember. I just remember you running for public office, and uh, um. Let's see what else. You came close. You almost won. and But it was an experience. Even if you run for public office, it's an experience of meeting the community. And you, you sure know, yeah. shook a lot yeah. of hands and <laughs> met the people out there. And, yeah. And, you know, of course, I was living in California before I came here. But Colorado is one of those states. You're the middle of the country, so to speak, just like Utah where Mm-hmm. I do believe people can have those aspirations to do things they'd never conceive, maybe coming from a larger city mm-hmm. or a bigger environment where they're sort of not able to do that. But I'll say right now, I think a lot of people, particularly as this last Congress was changed a bit, with a lot of veterans, a lot of women in Congress running, and I think people are even more excited today about local elections. Mm-hmm. So they're, not, they're starting to realize because of these sort of different orders among the states how important their city council is, right? Mm-hmm. How important your school board person is. So um, there's never been a time in American politics for you know people who maybe never thought that to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great run. I was you know de- a decade ago for me, and my, I, I focused more on finance and law. But you're right, the experience we had at that point and the training ground of just going out there in the public, making speeches, getting on television, you know. Finding your voice, finding your mission, and I think it's something that I would never regret. Even though my kids give me a hard time because they they're winners, they wanted me to win, you know, mm-hmm. like like the president always says. But there may be a time again. Right. But what what a great experience, yeah. And also to um, back to the banking and everything. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of Shark Tank? I've always wanted that because they people get on there and there's some good products. I go. Why don't they support that? Then they're nitpicking and nitpicking and nitpicking. And I don't know, but what do you think about Shark Tank and how they handle the investment part of someone's company? Yeah. I, you know, the big thing, I mean, you look at the, the people on that show, right? From mm-hmm. Lori to Mark Cuban, um, Mr. Wonderful, you know, Mr. O'Leary, if you will. To me, you could, I mean, you used to have to pay for an NBA to see that, right? Because right. Because what they're talking, yeah, how they negotiate the equity and the debt and how, how much the owner is going to give up. I'm just fascinated that, and I'm not surprised the audience is that big because it kind of shows you really what's going on. It always has 
where American exceptionalism entrepreneurs, you know, are here. And there's certainly other countries that are as competitive in that area. But you can get a quick crash course yet in investment banking and coaching. And I love the way often they'll sit back and say, okay, are you the idea person? Are you the creator of the brand? But do you know your numbers, right? And mm-hmm. you, you realize quickly that you both you have to know both, right? You have to know your business valuation, your sales, and your story. But we I have fun doing. I bet some of your audience do that does this too. After a show, grab your computer and look up and see if that company made it, right? Right. Did all birds actually make it in the shoe or area? Or mm-hmm. Tom's shoes, I think it was called. Um, a lot of great cooking and kitchen stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you'll see that sometimes they did uh, – they had a great pitch, and they had an investor on the tank, but it turned out the product wasn't sustainable. Well, what I found out – Do you watch that? Do you watch it just – Me and my husband – Yeah, me and my husband yeah. watch it, and we have a debate on it. But um, – <laughs> because it's fascinating how they talk about the money, and, you know, it's it's quite fascinating. And how much do you have money to invest in, and how much did you invest in, and – well, I'm not putting anything in if you haven't put any money to invest. You know, it goes on and on. But yeah, wow. it's educational. Yeah. But I've had somebody on my show who was on, he won in everything on Shark Tank. He won. It was some type, I love the product. It was one of those portable, you put in the back of your car. And like if I get grocery shopping or something like that, I just pull it out and I put my stuff in there. It's like one of those little um, uh, carrier containers. But it was wonderful. I did, I loved it. Because he gave me one for coming on my show. Oh, he gave you one, yeah. Yeah. So he told me what it was like. He said it opened a lot of doors for him because he won and everything. But they did not fund him because his books weren't quite right. You know, they, uh, they yeah. yeah, they check you out before. So you may win and get the glory, you know, of winning. Mm-hmm. But they may not take you on. But then there was this one product <laughs> they invest in. It was a little spongy, squishy thing. And I saw at the store, um, Home Depot, and I picked it up. And I'm like, that's it? I can cut that out of of, um, that spongy stuff, you know, that you clean with, sponges. And I said, I could cut me a smiley face out and put two little holes and say, okay. (laughs) That's a mess in this. And I was just laughing when I thought, Oh my gosh, it's so interesting. But then, and then there's been some products on there that were so good. And I'm like, I want some of that. And, but anyway, but me and my you husband know, debate like on that because of the yeah, money. It's a great story. Um, mm-hmm. But you find out quickly, right? And particularly like in retail and clothing can be amazing. Like a pair of jeans, sort of like a true religion kind of outfit that comes on. But there are certain things, right, that cost so much money to expand that, you know, business. Mm-hmm. And I think retail clothing is a big example that a lot of those sharks will turn down those deals because they're so capital intensive. But yeah. yeah, when you look at some of these things that have price ranges of seven to ten dollars, which are really everyday use, mm-hmm. and you look at the margins they have on it, and then they're getting deals with, you know, Bed Bath Beyond and Home Depot, like you said. It could be an overnight success story. Um, but, you know, we take these things for granted that are in our homes that we use that probably often, you know, started in a garage. I mean, uh, let's face it, that's where, you know, Gates started. That's where <laughs> jobs started with Apple. So That's right. It's a great show. It's a great American teaching show about business and risk. I think risk is what something Americans are just inherently built with, the ability to take. Well, hold on tight, Jamie. We're going into commercial break, and we will be right back. Hey, this is Rocktop Construction. Rocktop is a family-owned business based out of Utah. We specialize in replacing worn or storm-damaged roofs and understand how to assist homeowners with property claims. For reliable service and the best value on a quality and energy-efficient roof, call Rocktop Construction at 801-567-567. One, two, three, four. We have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Again, that's 801-567-1234 to find out more about how we can protect your home.
Head and Home Horse Rescue Foundation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit that rescues both wild and domestic horses and other equine that are either unwanted, neglected, abused, or their humans move. Head and Home helps rehabilitate them to be used in equine therapy to help those in need. We could use your support. You can contact us at 801-910-2698. Hi, my name is Drusilla. I am the founder and owner of Drusilla's Closet. I've created a unique system to organize your pantry and kitchen. The system also works great in various parts of your home and garage. Also in my closet, I have unique furniture, art, and decor. You can find us on Facebook, Drusilla's Closet, or call at 435-224-9268. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sitting here with Jamie McMillan. He's an attorney on investments and banking, and he has 25 years under his belt. And he's out of Colorado, California, and Denver. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I didn't know. I only thing I knew is you were out of Colorado. I did not know you had Denver yeah. and California. So you've been growing, growing your yeah, office. Yeah, growing nicely. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great profession. And I was thinking as we were on the break, you know, a lot of people that are younger now are looking to this financial world as far as a career. Yeah, I and, saw that on know, Facebook. Did you? Yeah. And I have to remind myself, Kathy, that I was a political science major. You know, I wasn't like a finance guy. <laughs> but I quickly learned that if you have the ability to talk to people and you enjoyed it and you can, you know, take sort of difficult concepts and sort of narrow them uh, down. Oh, you learned. You became a banker, investor when you ran for office. That opened your eyes. <laughs> you thought, yeah. I can help some businesses out. Because when you run for public office, especially for a state office, your yeah. eyes are open. You see more what the community really needs. And businesses that, you know, need things like the little businesses. You know what, breaking my heart right now, it's a little, the oh. businesses are shutting doors because they can't survive. The restaurants through to Cova, yeah, especially know, here in Park City, because it's a it scheme. Is it happening there? Because yes. it's happening. Yes, it's happening. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it breaks my heart. Reopen Durango that's going on. In fact, they just filed a lawsuit. Um, um, some businesses in La Plata County, that's here in Durango. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's happening in other parts of the state as well. And the thing, I talked to a business owner of the day, a restaurant, I won't say who it is, but very faithful man, supports the law enforcement community. You know, been this diner here, I'd say 20 some plus years. And the first thing he said is, look, I do not want people to, you know, be at risk of their health, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we support that, you know, and they try to enhance the social distancing and the mask and things. But he said, why, Jamie, are we being targeted, you know, as opposed to other businesses? You know, restaurants in particular, uh, bars and taverns, things like that, kind of the backbone of America. Right. And, you know, if you look at it, really, it makes sense because if you look at the Constitution of the Fifth Amendment, it does talk about something we all know called equal protection under the law. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that's challenging for a lot of businesses out there, and you've seen this too, because it's not a free speech issue or a religious issue where government is sort of impeding with their health orders, with a genuine, you know, motive but economic equal protection doesn't have to you know pass the mustard of a first amendment uh, uh scrutiny mm -hmm. the burden is on the government when it's about speech or religion or assembly or free exercise of religion and then you get down to the business world you know it's about an economic test it's just a rational basis that the government can kind of link to why they're passing this law but nonetheless, it's still an argument under equal protection. But I'll tell you one thing that's more powerful that I'm seeing in these briefs. What they're saying really is at first when COVID came, the federal government stepped in, right, with the Paycheck mm -hmm. Protection Plan and all the programs. We probably spent $3.5 trillion, maybe four, and that was very needed. But at the same time, like you said, the small rural businesses, even in the cities, were not getting the extension of that benefit. 
And so really when you look at the other part of the Fifth Amendment, there's something called the takings clause. Mm-hmm. And the taking clause is really historically about when the government takes property, they have to pay compensation. But it also applies to zoning laws and things of that nature. So now we're seeing some very good attorneys in Montana, the Midwest, um, certainly throughout the rural uh, southeast that are what we call takings and land lawyers looking at this saying, okay, we understand there's a health emergency, but if you're going to shut a business down, it's rational to think that the government, to some extent, right, with their city and local budgets, should be able to pay some compensation to that business person, in particular, so he can pay or she can pay their employees, mm-hmm. right, to stay right. in business, not go out of business. Right. Keep them afloat. Yes. I, yeah, I know some restaurant owners, oh, break my heart, some of them have literally closed their doors especially up in Park City, Utah. It's a resort area for skiing. You got Deer right. Valley and stuff. And yeah, they're struggling up there. But um, and now we're hoping for snow. You know, we haven't had any snow. We're supposed to get some Friday. <laughs> so tomorrow. Yeah, I'd say the, you know, the Colorado mountains here, we're kind of lacking too. It's been a quite a sunny sort of a, you know, more dry year, really dry year. But um. I think the state of Colorado, Kathy, we've we've lost about $8 billion in tourism this year. (gasps) That's a phenomenal number. Mm. And so, yeah, my heart breaks too. And I I do see some life at the end of the tunnel. I know people have different opinions about vaccines. That's not really the issue. I think it's the government response, right, and the confidence in people. Mm -hmm. And now that we have Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, a number of these getting approved, and not everyone will get vaccinated, of course, but there's only a certain percentage that we, I guess we need to mm-hmm. um, to get to some sort of immunity, if you will. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think, Kathy, this has been like a, a bomb that's been dropped on America, right? Right. We the were kind world. of in a war with this thing. The whole world. It's, whole it's world. everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like an, a nightmare. And uh, make a long story short, I know people who got the virus, and they said they don't wish it on anybody. <laughs> it's no, worse than you're talking to the guy who had it, you know. Yeah. I say that to my clients, you know, freely, and it was a little tough battle for me, but I came through it. Uh, I think a lot of people my age, I'm in my 50s, mm-hmm. um, you're in good health, we're in good health. So I think most people can reach that, you know, that summit if they get it. It's interesting. You know, one of the biggest questions I get, though, as a financial advisor and kind of a legal area that I'm in at McMillan Advisors, it, what people are stunned by is why is the stock market up? You know, yeah. past now record highs, right? Right. Yeah. Why? Why? When we're losing businesses are are going under, the small business, mm-hmm. why is that all of a sudden high? Mm-hmm. You know what? I think a good parallel is the... Uh, the housing crisis of 2008, you know, the markets fell in that period, right? The Great Recession, almost 38% yeah. from peak to trough. Mm-hmm. And what did you see when the housing market imploded? You saw the big guys eat the little guys. So they came in and bought all these distressed properties. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that somewhat out there today, particularly in mall operations. And when these companies don't have liquidity and they're smaller, yeah, the big giants come in. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing. It it really drove consumer spending. Um, we had, you know, record savings rates for Americans. We knew the savings rate's about 3%. It jumped about 7.5%. Mm-hmm. So people were at home. People were refurbishing. And as you know, right, real estate's probably doing well in your area. Yes. But the main thing, the market really... That I'd say, you know, the big guys, right? Ray Dalio is one of those out there, the hedge fund manager. Um, a lot of those managers went to cash because they really didn't, they had to sort of act on behalf of their customers. I think they tried to do it in a fiduciary way, but it was a big mistake because I even pulled up some statistics in the past about these pandemics, and the duration is a lot shorter with SARS and other things that have happened in other countries, even though people I. But you look at the markets, how they responded. Yeah, when they came down, they snapped back really nice within 12 to 18 months. And then just some perspective, too, this is what investors need to know. I don't care if it's a pandemic, 
if it's a terrorism strike, God forbid we, we do what we can to protect our country and protect our financial markets. But if you go back all the way to the crash, you know, 1930 or 1929, mm-hmm. and that's a long time, right? That's over almost 100 years. There really only have been seven declines of, you know, 25 to 30 percent or more in the U.S. stock market. And the moral of the story here, or the lesson, if you will, the market's up higher most of the time mm-hmm. than it is down. And the durations of being higher are much longer in terms of months and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed so that too. It, I noticed right? that it's too. playing the patient game. Um, but no, we saw people coming back, and I'll add one more point. This is just fascinating because at the same time this was happening, mm-hmm. Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, responded to a company called Robinhood. It's where all the young investors now, and and that's great. They they come into the markets. They're buying financial stocks. They're buying airlines. They're buying things that we, you know, no one would probably touch as sort of the adult group, being fearful of that. But they also forced something that I don't think anybody really saw. Robinhood is a zero commission trading firm to, for everyone to open the account. And guess what followed after that? What? Charles Schwab went to zero commissions. No way. Ameritrade went to zero commissions. Hmm. Um, so we have a huge new group of demographic investors that have joined in the American capitalistic story, so to speak, who are putting their money to work and they're learning lessons. And and maybe Kathy, they're you know they're children of the of the parents that went through the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Do you think they've learned something from that? Mm-mm. No, maybe they forgot, got lazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good thing because they're they're really participating in the market and uh, something. Oh, so, is, I'll tell you. you okay, know, so they thing. are participating. I'm thinking the other they way are, around. They are, and they are making a difference because so the, the market needs look. They're the ones who mm-hmm. lived through the harsh recession. Is what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Okay, you know, gotcha. Um, okay, got you. Got you. Okay. Yeah, millennials were quite young during the Great Recession, but um, yeah, and of course behind them is like my kids are seventeen, eighteen. They're I think they're called Gen Z, but you know they're into every they're interested in stocks too. I mean, I have my son who's a in senior in high school. He hasn't even had a finance class. He'll hear a story about Apple and say, "Dad, don't buy Apple today; it's too high." Oh. Through text. <laughs> I was like, that is, is this my son telling me what to buy and sell? It's just. These kids today, I say kids, you know, lovingly, they have so much access to information. So it really questions, doesn't it kind of think about the liberal arts sort of college experience, you know, that sort of pro, you know, pro, okay. programmatic, if you will, or programmable um, type of education. And I think they're, they're having more choices to kind of get their information. They can code, they can start up, they can start a business online. They're thinking things very differently than you and yeah. I Yeah, my friend, his son and his daughter-in-law, they're a young couple. They got a huge business. It's worth hundreds and thousands of dollars, and they do it online. And they're really yeah. good at it. And my mm-hmm. friend goes, and he's, you know, he's an lawyer too, and he goes, I wouldn't even think of anything like that. And they whip something together, and they're kicking butt out there. Excuse, right. excuse my French, sir. They're kicking, you know. <laughs> Is butt still okay? I think it's okay to use that word, by the way. But anyway, yeah, they're out there. And I'm, matter of fact, they're in town. And I'm going to mm-hmm. talk to them. I'm going to try to get them on the show. But all my word, yes, and they're kicking butt and how they did it. And they're just little entrepreneurs, and they're making tons of money. And yeah. And they're so knowledgeable than, gosh, when I was in high school, so much different. I'm trying to catch up with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm mean, there we to catch books up. To class. Remember our backpacks and the books? Yes. I mean, yeah, like books are something like a museum now for these I... kids. Uh, I mean, I have a lot in my home. I know everybody does, but it's, it's just fascinating. They don't even you know, pick that up. They go to the yeah. internet. Yeah. I want to tell you a quick story, too, before we go to break. I think you're thinking of uh, what I was going to say back to the markets again. You know, I I have something called the Christmas tree effect, right, that's happening. Uh And I found out, like I went out to get a tree. And, of course, you can go out in the woods in Colorado and axe went down and put it in the back of your truck, that kind of thing. But, you know, I'm a city slicker in the mountains. So I go down there and pick up a tree. 
And I asked the girl, I said, why are there so few trees out here for sale? Beautiful Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, we only have about maybe 9,000 trees that are cut a year for Christmas or whatever, this particular brand. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, where, why, why is the lot you know, half full? And it's like three weeks before Christmas. She said, because they're selling out. They're having a record number of sales of Christmas trees this year. And I said, well, does it mean that people are like more at home and are not going places right? She said, exactly. So back to the markets, I think the counterfactual of this whole awful thing that's happened to us, and we, you know, we we certainly go out and grieve for our family and loved ones that we've lost, but sort of that again counterfactual. It's made people rethink what things are important to them. And I, I do think there's always, you know, of course, your faith and other things and your mm-hmm. friends and family. But I think finance is on the mind, right, of every household in America. Yeah, it is. Particularly in this moment of crisis. Yeah. Because I think things and, are changing. It's shifting. Things are mm-hmm. coming more home. You're on your computer. I mean, forgive me, but I'm on my computer probably 60 to 75 percent of the, you know, the time. You know, I'm yeah. on on here all the time and mm-hmm. and uh, researching your, and yeah. studying and yeah. reading and and you know what? When you did said about a book, because I got books, so I was cleaning my bookshelf. I'm looking at them. I don't even take time to read these books like I used to. <laughs> like, what happened? I'm I'm on the internet. I sleep with my computer. I mean, my um phone right by my pillow. <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, that's yeah. a joke. That's a joke. But, but do you do you find a way to kind of decompress? What do you do to get away from that? Because I know everybody I just has have, to, right? I just shut it down and go outside. Yeah, I just shut outside. and I have to close my business office door and I just say no, I can't. I don't go in there, especially on Sunday and half a day on Saturday. I just stay out of there, no matter what. Well, no I'll get it on it. Monday. I'll just take care of it on Monday, and usually it's okay. Yeah, right. It's okay, even somebody screaming wants you, but. It's okay. It's it's okay. They can they can handle it. You know, I don't text. I try to stay away from that so I can join my family. But um, um, back to the you know, the banking and the investment. Where do you see? It may be too early. I'll bring you back in you know in January. But what about twenty twenty one? Where do you see things happening for twenty twenty one in the investment and banking? for stocks and things like that oh yeah yeah well by the way let everyone know just for their information 2021 will come right (laughs) Uh, we can leave this year and this lesson behind a little bit um i think it set it up nicely i think you have a very accommodative monetary policy to have to use that jargon but with janet yellen at the fed she's she's excuse me she's at treasury but between her and Jay Powell, who's at the Federal Reserve, and his appointment may be changed with the administration, but they understand that they're looking for an economy, not that it is soft. They want it to run hot. And that's good because the last thing Americans want to see is what we call disinflation, right? They're waiting to purchase something thinking it might be cheaper later. That's a kind of a spiraling bad news, and that's not in the cards, though. So as long as the Federal Reserve is accommodative, as long as the U.S. dollar, the king dollar, as Larry Kudlow says on CNBC, as long as we maintain the size and strength of our economy, it looks like it's setting up well. But I want to tell folks that the prices that they were seeing for what housing, real estate, stocks, um, private access to capital through banks and things, the best deals right were when we were most distressed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now that things become unstressed, mm-hmm. say from the financial system and our health system, then, yeah, our stocks are a little more expensive. Our assets like Bitcoin more expensive. Yeah. But they're not going away. And historically, as I've told, you know, before the S&P 500, which is that basket of American stocks just to own America, you know, realistically, it's still averaged over 10 percent per annum. And, you know, I always go back to the rule of 72, right? Divide 10 and 72, and you find out how long it takes to double your money at that rate of return. Uh So keep picking up those acorns, right? Keep being an investor. Um, 
you know, go out there and get those kinds of loans from crowdfunding or private equity or, you know, be an investor in your household, take control. So I think 2021 is setting up really well. You know what worries me the most, though, is we are certainly in a struggle with China um, economically, and they're becoming, you know, certainly a superpower. And I have to say this, and I'm cautious about this, but I wouldn't say I've yanked my investments out of China, mm-hmm. but I've been very careful about what we own. And I would just tell folks to think about that because, you know, if we are a true capitalists, we want to find the best prices anywhere. But, but we are in sort of a conflict uh, with China and sort of a strategic one. And their economy, it looks still to be potentially passing our $20 trillion economy maybe within three or four years. So that timeline has certainly squeezed a bit. So, yeah, you want to be diversified. You want to have, you know, your investments coming from places in India, places in Europe, places in Africa are great opportunities. But if you want stability in terms of, you know, what you own and you want to go to bed at night feeling confident about what you own, Mm -hmm. there's no better place to be than the U.S. stock market. Um Will it look a little bit, you know, murky and clunky in the first part of this, uh, you know, new administration? Of course, but you're not investing for six months; you're investing for years. And I'll tell you, I'll close that out. The longer you hold your investments, I've seen this time and again, because the worst ideas become the best ideas in any given year. But it's holding times, whether it's three years, five years, seven years. If you get out to seven and ten years. The likelihood of success really goes up as a major percentage. Almost 85% of the time, your investments will be successful. And, of course, people who have lower holding time periods, maybe months or years or trade, I'm telling people that, I hate to say it, but that's a loser's game. So we look at owning companies like businesses, kind of like the businesses that you're talking about and we're talking about uh, trying to fund. And then that makes it easier. Right? To go to home at night and own Tesla, to own a Shopify, to own you know Tractor Supply, which is doing great out here in the West. So be an owner, and also I say don't be a loner. Mm-hmm. But being a loner means loaning your money to the bank and getting like two and a half percent. You're not going to get there with that kind of return. I want to let my listeners know how to get. How can they get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I think the best place is, uh, just, you know, McMillan Advisors uh, on, online there, and they can uh, certainly find our website. And I'm on LinkedIn. We just talked about that, right, how much business we do and relationships we build through LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Jamie McMillan in Durango, Colorado. And, um, and I Jamie, love anyone. Yeah, I, I yeah, join and Jamie, our network. Yeah, Jamie spelled J-A-I-M-E. And uh, then yeah. Ma- and then McMillan's M C capital M I L L A N. A A N. Oh yeah. Well A yeah, yeah. A N. I don't have the benefit of the easy phonetics of your name, so <laughs> um, but it is yeah, Jamie McMillan and um we're we got a big print on the web, so I think you'd probably find a lot of uh, stories I've written and commentary on markets to get you to where we are. Mm-hmm. So find him for, in uh, dr- uh, dr- uh in Colorado. Durango, Colorado. So please, he's on LinkedIn. That's how I found him. And he'll be more than happy to take any e- um, emails, messages from LinkedIn. So, yeah. yeah. If you have any questions. I work especially... for everyday people just like you and I. And um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the best job in the world. So um, thank you for mentioning us. Yes. And so... I know it's going to be a little shaky with the new presidency or whatever's going to happen out there, but um, the stock market seems to be okay. We'll be okay. Even if we invest in something, we need to stay with it for a while. Is that correct? Or Well, you know, you said it well. Um, I go back to um, the, the one person that was, you know, was that Charles Schwab, and that's just kind of a household name. But I used to actually work in his building on Montgomery in San Francisco, and I've seen him many times. The one thing that he, you know, he, he kind of brought commissions down, right, in the 1970s because they were regulated by the government. But you're right. The one thing that you'll see in his ad now 
And the reason I'm back there with them because they bought TD Ameritrade where we hold our client assets. So now it's going to be a $5 trillion you know, custody company uh, that serves individual investors. But he'll tell you the ups and downs, the sideways, the byways, the tough parts of America. The one term he seems to come away always as an investor in America, he says persistence. Stick with it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's something as simple as that. It's something you can run a tape in your head every day, and you won't get distracted. You won't be pulled away from your, you know, your investment goals. Mm-hmm. And I got to think he's one of the most ethical, um, you know, fighters out there for everyday investors. He transformed that whole business from the old good old boy network to now what we have today. The persistence. Mm-hmm. What we do every day when we get up and go to work. And what you do in your show and your audience, your mm-hmm. your business, he says, stick with it. Yes, I tried other things. I have an MBA in business, and I tried other things, went for work for corporate America, but I always seem to come back to my radio, and uh, I don't know why. It's you know, radio and marketing, but. I learned, somebody said to me, he goes, why are you on radio? Mark, you've done this for 10 years and da-da-da-da-da. But I just stay focused on myself and my content and my um, guests that come on and try to give my listeners something that they want to hear, you know, what's new, what's happening, you know. And uh, try to stay focused on that and give them a variety and not just one topic, but a variety of things. And that's why it's called the Kathy Lee Parker Show. It's everything. It's people, places, and events. And I just try to stay focused on that. And I wanted to bring you on. And I'm glad you came on because it's the end of the year. And there's a lot of people looking into investing in banking and stocks for the new year, for 2021. And... Uh, you know, and I advise everybody have any questions that we're not asked on the show or anything like that, please go to LinkedIn and look them up and then start talking to them, you know, and find, you know, he'll give you the questions and um, phone numbers and whatever you need to, you know, have a problem with banking or investments. And do you help out too with like businesses, like small businesses try to get them anchored in the right direction or do you just give that over to a business attorney yeah that's a great question you know the business i tell you some great business attorneys right they're doing the mechanical part right of filing the incorporation getting the articles you know look at the entity the structure of the company um, I got I got a hand it by a lawyer for they're they're really nice people they're great and they're good what I call like mechanics of law, mm-hmm. but they really are not deal makers. And what's ha- what's great about what I do having a law background and you know from going at your MBA, when you layer that into another subject matter, um, you can talk around you know their particular business and it might be a small business, but no, I've taken on a lot of clients like that. And sometimes it won't work out to be anything really that we can work on together, but often it will be referral to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I'm working with a beverage company in Long Beach. I mean, I, I, they're just starting out in the seltzer business, but they have a huge bottling operation that they just bought. Mm-hmm. And now they're selling those bottling uh, seltzers through Canada and hopefully here in the United States. So that was just a friend that had contacted me on LinkedIn about some tax issues with his business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I looked at It's a big coffee shop, right? We all get to go to, you know, LinkedIn coffee. <laughs> yeah, have your co- yeah, yeah. But we have a meeting on Tuesday with a company in India. And uh, right. and I did 7 a.m. our time. And the other people are East Coast. But I just told you today, I said, just get your coffee out. And, you know, we're going to be on LinkedIn. We'll be on Skype. But the point is, is our meeting. But, you know, we yeah. meet on, on LinkedIn. So, yeah. yeah, it's the Internet nowadays. It's a way to communicate, you know. Yeah, Kathy, it's like the, it's like the song from Nirvana. You know, Nirvana, the band, come as you are. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's like the no judgment room. And uh, that's what I mean. It's the democratization of this technology is so amazing. Whether you're talk radio through your 
you know, your outlets that you're on, which are so have many. You, have you, your listeners um, just love you. Yeah, Adobe, um, um, really quickly, Adobe's here in Salt Lake. It's down yeah, by Lehigh. Yes. And I got wow, a tour of uh, the Adobe building. Oh, my gosh. They have technology so advanced. Like, they had this screen. And it's like your TV screen, but yet it opens up in so many different windows. And, so, you know, like I can press this little window here. I can see what's going on at the outside of my house. And I can see kids coming out of school. I can see, you know, my husband working. I can, see, you know wow. what I mean? I can see it's, it's so fascinating the way technology is just like changing. And I'm like, oh. It's, it just blows my mind. I'm yeah. just I'm just waiting for a you know robots. You know when I can have a robot in my house and to do my house cleaning and my yard work and watch my house at night. <laughs> it never sleeps. Yeah. It just keeps going yeah. and going. But anyway, I'm just waiting for that to happen someday. You no, know, I'm with you. I mean, I I, I kind of yearn for the yard at work sometimes, and sometimes I don't. But yeah, you know, that's a great example, though. That's that's some sort of you're using Adobe, and that's been a great success story, by the way, too. One of the best stocks ever in the S and P 500. Great leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's right but, here in yeah. Lehigh, right Utah, here, right in Park City, and uh, no, it's Utah. not. In, it's not in Park City, but it's in Lehigh. It's Salt Lake, rather. Yeah, no, it's not in Salt Lake. It's in Lehigh, Lehigh, oh. Utah. Yes, yeah. it's right off Lehigh. the freeway. I mean, right there at the freeway at I-15, you go around and you just look at it, and they have this beautiful glass. Oh my gosh, it's oh, just gorgeous. Yeah. You should see the mountains and the freeway, and it's like, dang, this is a nice place to work. But I was well, getting Tech a tour. West is, by the way, that's called like Tech West, right? Because you yes. know, Musk is picking up his operation going to Austin, Texas. You know, so everything's changing. Uh, but, yeah, but it's a new, I know the stock market, the banking, things are changing. People are starting to work at home. I think it's the generation like ours and maybe just a little bit younger, like, oh my gosh, you know, things are changing so much that, uh, can I do this? Can I really stay at home and be in front of my computer? Mm-hmm. You know, where you, the kids, like your children, <laughs> they're like saying, hey, dad. <laughs> <laughs> don't best in Google. Don't do this. Don't do that, or whatever yeah, you're exactly. saying. We to talked you. about that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's interesting that you've been you've been on that medium, you know, for so long with your radio show, and now your ten podcast. years over ten I, years. People don't know this, but like the finance world, we've been doing this for the last decade. You know, we don't get to travel and meet our clients in another state. We have clients all over the country. You know what? I have clients too that have been on my shows from celebrities to CEOs to, you know, politicians to the little guy. And I never meet them, but they know who I am. (laughs) All I do is make a phone call and they're like, yes, I'll come on your show, Kathy. Yeah. But I never meet them. Did you have the the, the gentleman who ran for the governorship, I think, coming up? Yes, I do. I have a politician coming on tonight and. Um, he ran for governor of Utah, and I can hear what his story is. He's also a business owner here in Utah, and um, it's going to be an exciting show. So, yes, and I think he's going to be running again So in the next four years. But there's a secret in running for office, and I've told you this too. you got to get a head start. you gotta, you got to – it's almost like – you know, trying out as an athlete, you gotta be in shape. You gotta know what you're doing, you know, to win or at least win. And so, for everybody out there listening to, I ran for this is in the old days. This is a long time ago. I ran for Miss Utah. Okay, I ran three times until I finally won. And uh, it takes that to win. You have to keep running, and you get better and better. <laughs> and better you just get better and better you know that the roads what yeah. the judges want you know what they're looking for and the same thing as running for office i'm sure you learned a lot and uh and the same thing with anything like even banking and stocks and you learn by keep doing it you just don't do it once and think you're going to get a million dollars you know or a hundred no, you, you got and, to you know, keep playing 
and then you learn. You got to be, as Teddy Roosevelt said, you got to be in the arena. So yes, you know, yeah, we all are kind of our brand. Yeah, and people need to know what that stands for before they're going to back you in anything, <laughs> politics or business, right? Right, right. So anyway, well, I enjoyed having you on, and I would like to have you come back probably either the Thank end of you. January, and we can do a or February, and do a catch-up. We can talk about the politics and you know, the new presidency, and, and also, too, what's aiming with the stock market and the banking, and also, too, with, you know, the housing too. Yes. Is it going to really be a bomb? Thank you. <laughs> would it be, you know, well, would it be a bomb or will we going forward? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I have a feeling we're going to go forward. I just think, nah, it's not going to yeah. be, yeah, I think we're going to go forward. Where's it, everything's just changing. It's, it's not, I hate that word new, the new way of living, oh. a new way. I just think we just, new normal. New normal think, yeah. yeah, whatever they call it. I said, no, we're just changing. You know, so remember when computers came out? I mean, it's like I had to get a 13-year-old to help me to to run my computer. Yeah. Until I finally took classes and I learned it in, in my MBA. But, but other than that, um, it's just, you know, these are just changing. And we just got to jump on and get used to it. It's a new way. And the kids are not doing anything. The teenagers are like, whatever. We're, going, we're They're adapting with it. They're not complaining. It's us, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're ones whining. We're all kind of sharpening our toolkit, you know, and always relearning. Yeah, I think that's it, right? You nailed it, Kathy. You have to be a constant learner. I mean, you you don't have to be, but that's. I think that leads to some very promising things that can happen to people. Don't give up learning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for coming You're on welcome. my show. So great to hear from you. Yes, thank you for having me, and um, I've really enjoyed sitting spending time with you. It's so great. Okay, thank you so much, and thank you for my listeners enjoying the Kathy Lee Parker Show. Until then, have a great day. <laughs>